0: In Florida Ag and Review, for the week of May 16th, we had this report regarding the flooding of the Mississippi. Well, the floodwaters of late have not yet directly affected our farmers, but Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry Dr. Mike Strain explains how those rising floodwaters on the Mississippi River could very likely cause the entire system to be shut down, bringing the flow of food, grain, fuel, and other commodities up and down the river system to a screeching halt.
1: Closing the Mississippi River to commerce will cost the United States... Over three hundred million dollars a day uh, in overall commerce, so we're going to be looking at that very closely. Uh, in the upper reaches of the Mississippi, they close closed the barge traffic, and very likely, as the crest comes down, everywhere from about the nineteenth all the way to the twenty-third and twenty-fourth, and maybe the twenty-fifth, barge traffic above Baton Rouge will close uh, when, if the river reaches eighteen feet at the Carrollton gauge there, in which is by New Orleans Carrollton, uh, then we will close ship traffic. Uh, up and down the entire system.
0: And with livestock, Randall Wiseman had this.
2: Todd Johnson, vice president of owner member services for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, wants cattle producers to know that in today's climate, strength in numbers is very important.
3: Membership at the state, the local, and the national level through our state affiliates uh, all the way up to NCBA is key to getting things done in Washington, D.C., As we look at some of the issues facing the country, but specifically the southeast, and you talk about water quality standards in Florida, for example, uh, the impact that producers from the southeast can have on their legislative delegation in Washington, D.C. is significant to making sure the right kind of policy gets passed. And, of course, the membership through those state affiliates and then on up into NCBA is what makes it happen.
2: And while some producers join their state association thinking they're automatically a member of NCBA, Johnson said that's not the case.
3: That's sometimes challenging to understand stand. Again, we know we need membership at the state level, but there is also a separate membership into NCBA to help us drive change in Washington, D.C. Uh, I will point out that having our state affiliates, what we call affiliated, with NCBA is crucial. So we've got two things going. One, the association itself joins NCBA, but then we do ask the individual producers to also join and drive our numbers. We're about 25,000 members strong nationwide uh, and certainly have a lot from the southeast. To learn more, simply go to
2: BeefUSA.org or call 1-800-BEEF-USA, or you can contact your State Cattlemen's Association office.
0: And we'll ramp up for this week with Everett Greiner. Corn,
4: perhaps the most important crop in the world, certainly one of the most vital. People in general see corn in one of two ways, the kind you eat and the kind you don't. But not even those who grow it know a lot about its history. You know, Native Americans had been growing corn for 5,000 years when Columbus got here. We don't know exactly where corn came from, but it certainly came from somewhere in Central America, we think. Corn has been genetically altered and crossbred more than any other crop. Columbus took some of the original corn back to Spain when he went home. It found as great acceptance there as it did here. Now, back then, it was only one kind of corn. Today, there are at least six basic strains of corn, all different and is used in a hundred different ways in homes in America, and all around the world. I have a question. Has anybody ever been found to be allergic to corn?
0: And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.